Well, uh, if you'll have your version app open or you've got your bulletin or whatnot, we're just going to go ahead and we're not going to dilly-dally. We're just going to jump into the middle of this as we close this out. That uh, in the pursuit of cultivating, uh, cultivating a life defined by growth, that there are some key pieces that help us to live <clears throat> our lives and, and, and to really flourish. And this concept, this idea of, of having our lives being available to God, with a cheerful heart and being willing to give with a cheerful heart, it is one of those things that causes us to have continued growth. It is something that causes us to, to continue to move forward. Remember that around here at Celebration Church, you know, the word tells us, you know, we two can't walk together unless they agree. And so what we've agreed on here, okay, you don't have to have all the doctrinal things lined up. We don't have to have a whole lot of things all in order. What we have agreed on is the fact that we're going to say, God, I want to be a changed person. I don't want to be the same tomorrow that I am today. Move me forward a little bit in my life. And that's what we agree on. We agree to be uh, God, take us forward. And we're going to let the Holy Spirit lead you. And we're going to let the Holy Spirit lead me. And we're going to let him do the changing. We're not going to try to change each other and tweak each other or critique each other. We're going to let the Holy Spirit do his work. And we're just going to love each other and support each other in the process. That's what Celebration Church is about. But if, if we're going to have that as an ideal, if we're going to be kind of a, a move forward kind of people as an ideal, we ought to want to know what are some of the things that biblically that help us to do that? What are some pieces that help make that forward motion possible? And we, we've already talked about the other four. We talked about prayer. This thing begins and ends there. We, we, it's communication. It's prayer's just talking to God. It's, it's, it's not anything other than that. It's just being honest and talking to God. Then we talked about his word, that we were finding out what he has to say, that it really is our nourishment. And that if we're going to grow, we've got to put that stuff in us. And we, we're going to go to it, not just out of religious duty, but out of a desire that we know, and that's going to feed us and grow us up. We talked about fellowship and connecting with each other. And folks, you know, we, we need each other. God moves in my life through, through other believers and he's going to move in your life through the same way. I've talked about small group ministry and people who are, who are covenant friends that, that, that are honest with you and loving with you and, and coach you and, and move you forward and, and help, help stand with you. And last week we talked about being willing to take our God story and put it in God's hands and saying, God, I'm willing to talk. When you open up the doors, I'm willing to talk about what you've done in my life. I, I'm, we, we, we may try to put this heavy-duty label on it called witnessing, but it's just being willing to just open up and tell people about what's happening in your life. That when, when the door's open, you're just not being ashamed that you have a relationship with God and God's done something for you. And you don't have to say anything you don't know. And it's okay if somebody asks you a question and you don't know, say, I don't know. And those things help keep us moving. They keep us not be stagnated. It's this thing of process. And this concept of giving, uh, of, of instead of being this, of being that before God with all of who we are, that that is a key and crucial process. Let's go ahead and look at 2 Corinthians 9, 7. It says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. You're going to notice that this giving and heart thing, they keep being connected over and over and over again. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. 
God's not an arm twister. God's not the, you know, the stereotypical mobster thug who's, who's here to get his chunk and to, to threaten you and to beat you down and to arm twist you. God has released us to, to, to follow him and to pursue him and to be led by his spirit and not by some big oppressive thing. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. God gives cheerfully. We, that's why we can go to him with boldness and he's not... We don't have to twist his arm and go, God, 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 please, please, please do this in my la, la, la. You know, we don't have to do that. And him like, seriously? All right, go ahead. I'll do it for you. That's not God. God gives to us cheerfully. He's excited about blessing our lives and he wants us to be engaged on that level as well. Second Corinthians 8, 7 also tells us that this is something we ought to excel in. It says, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, as believers, should we excel in faith? Well, you know, which we understand that's just trusting God. Well, yeah, we ought to, we ought to be good at that. Um, should we excel in speech, being able to communicate? Sure. Should we excel in knowledge and in, in understanding Him and knowing God better and then trusting Him more? Absolutely. In complete earnestness, in being real. Should we be good at being real, authentic? Yes, we should be good at that. And in our love for us, or for, for, the, for, the, for the church, for others. It says, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. It's not this command of giving. It's not this arm twist of giving. It is this God enabling, this expression of who God is in the earth through you in this area of giving. And um, through life, there are people that, there are some people who, that, and we're going to look in a little bit, that there, there's different graces, and people are naturally bent one direction or another. But we all, all should be manifesting this area of giving. There's some people who are just crazy, just crazy passionate givers. And one that have always been touted, and I just love his story, is a man named R.G. Letourneau. And we've got a little video, so going to talk a little bit about, if you don't know who Mr. Letourneau was, um, we got a little video we want to show you. was founded right in 1946 by world-renowned inventor and industrialist R.G. Letourneau and his wife Evelyn. Though he had given his life to Christ early on, R.G. Letourneau had also heeded the advice that God needs businessmen as much as pastors and became one of the world's most prolific inventors with almost 300 patents. He became known as a mover of men and mountains. Inventions included the forerunner of the modern earth mover, the electric wheel, the tree crusher, the log picker, the bulldozer, the airplane tow, the air crane, and the first offshore oil platform. He designed and built 70% of the heavy earth moving equipment used in World War II. Evelyn Letourneau, in addition to rearing six children, conducted Bible studies, started Christian youth camps, and counseled, fed, and even housed the young men her husband employed. R.G. and Evelyn had a goal to reach the world, especially young people, with the gospel of Christ. An early camp employee was a very young Billy Graham. One day in 1945, the Letourneaus were flying over Longview, scouting locations for a new heavy equipment factory. They looked down upon the 156 acres and 232 buildings of the abandoned Harmon Army General Hospital, scheduled for demolition. 
They agreed that the facilities should not be destroyed, but instead reclaimed as a school to train employees. And in 1946, the Laterno Technical Institute opened its doors with 196 students. Degrees were offered in building trades, electrical maintenance, industrial science, lithography, metallurgy, machine tooling, and welding. The growing Technical Institute was expanded with a School of Arts and Sciences and renamed Laterno College in 1961. It's now known as Laterno University. It's now known as Laterno University. And uh, what is, I think is incredible about it is that he, this is the school, it's a non-denominational school, has three mandatory chapel services. The, the, having a relationship with God is a big deal. But their main thing that they teach is they're one of the top-notch engineering schools in the country. They do in business and all of these different things. This guy saw that people who excelled in getting things done and, and being excellent in, in, in their work, whatever they set their hands to, and having this idea that that, that could make a difference in the world as much as creating a seminary that raised up people to send out missionaries and all of these different things that this area of being of being generous and being willing to give is this grace that somebody can be learn in and, and be trained in that it's uh, it's still just this absolutely uh, phenomenal school pushing forward his his heart to see people living this kind of committed life to ministry in a totally different way that you could say yes to God without having to become a preacher, that you could be something else and your life matter 100% for God just as anybody else giving their life 100% to God. But this guy was so passionate about giving that later in his life, you know, people say you're pretty radical about giving, you know, if you, you know, give, you know, 15%, 20%. This guy was in it later in his life was giving 90 plus percent of his income away. He was just passionate about it. He just, it was just his heart of helping fund people who were getting kingdom stuff done. It was just, it was just part of his passion. And there are people who are called on that level. And so there are these that, that maybe that, that that's their passion and that's what they're going to do. And it's, then it's easy for us to go, well, wait a second, wait a second. Maybe that's not something that I have to do. Maybe I'm not way up here on that level. And so we'll let those guys do it. And then we don't, these guys over here, just the regular old Joes, we don't have to worry about it. See, Paul, when he was saying that we need to excel in this grace of giving, he wasn't talking just to the R.G. Laternos of his day. That there was something that we, there ought to be this productivity no matter where we are in life. Now, <clears throat> around here, we probably will begin to see it. We get a little bit of rain this, this uh, fall and winter. We begin to see ryegrass begin to pop up. And um, I had my first house and was trying to bring my lawn in real good. I didn't want any stinking ryegrass. My dad always made me pull it up when I was a kid, and I didn't want ryegrass at all. And so I noticed that when I was mowing, that when ryegrass got about six or seven inches tall, then it put its little seed out, little things in annual, it reseeds. And I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of this ryegrass, and I'm just going to beat it. I'm going to mow the hound out of my lawn, and I'm not ever going to let it get over three inches tall. I want to just outsmart 
this ryegrass, and I'm just going to I'm just going to cut it off. I'm just not going to let it go all the way to here so it can be produce produce uh, productive. I'm going to keep it short and tight. And so, man, I did. I mowed. I was out there mowing. People thought I was an idiot. I'm mowing a mowed lawn. Like that lawn don't need to be mowed. It's already mowed. Oh, it grew a little bit. I'm beating my ryegrass. I got to go. I'm going to beat it. And then, you know, sure enough, I began to look out there, and there are these little bitty ryegrass plants with these little short-grown seed stalks on them. Little sucker outsmarted me. He's like, you're not going to let me go up there? I'm going to be productive right here. I'm going to produce it. I'm going to give no matter what level you let me grow to. It's not something I all, oh, I've been beat down. The, the life isn't letting me achieve this. So I, if I really got to there, then I, I could live on this level. Paul's talking to all of us. All of us. And we can't be comparing. Maybe some, some of us, the, this, this R.G. Laterno thing, maybe it doesn't even resonate in your heart. Maybe some of you are like, whoa, I want to do that. That's incredible. And, uh, but on, no matter where it is, there is this place that all of us should excel in some, some form on this area. That we should be, our time, our talents, our resources should matter. Uh, why? It's because God's a giver, folks. We are the recipients of that, of his nature. We ought to be so thankful that our papa is wired that way. And because God is a giver, it's only natural that those growing in his image would be givers too. You know, we see this, you know, this whole thing like father like son. And then we had a, had a real heartbreaking report. I wasn't there when this was passed on to me. But, of course, we did our Navajo uh, missions trip for the second time this past uh, August. And we were split up into two groups. We were actually 60 miles apart doing outreaches in two different places. And um, uh, there was a, a young man about 12 years old that was at, um, at the original site. This was the second year back. And, um, you know, our, our team's just really pouring out to, uh, to this young man. And, and they're like, you know, well, what, what do you want to do? Just trying to tap his dreams and his ambitions. And uh, he said, well, you know, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna stay at home. And I drink like my dad. Well, like father, like son. That's what was modeled for him. And you're like, oh my, that's just, that's just, that's just heartbreaking. That that was this 12-year-old's goal in life to be able to, to do that same. But you know what? There's something in us that, that whether it's, it's grand and glorious or... Or, or something that the rest of the world would turn our nose up. There's something that we're like, we're just supposed to be like our daddy. And we understand that John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now this is Jesus talking. And he's referring, of course, to himself. In a dark alleyway, this most known scripture on the face of the planet was not one of part of one of his sermons he preached out to everywhere. There's this scared Pharisee who's, who's curious about Jesus and meets him at night in a dark alleyway and is asking, and that's where this truth is revealed to a guy, that Jesus was <clears throat> the one and that God so loved that he gave. I love it that... That it was not part of, it was started out in that one little moment. And that truth is so powerful that God so loves that he gives. That that did not stay in that dark little alleyway. It is now the most recognized scripture 
on the face of the planet. <clears throat> Why? Because God has a desire for us not to perish, but to live. And it's, and it's natural that we should grow up and be like Dad on that level. That we should be giving, that, that who we are should be making a difference and should be making an impact. We shouldn't be this vacuum in life pulling everything towards us. It ought to be this thing that we're like this life pump, that as God brings life, we're pumping out life. That's what we, our lives should be like. My uh, boys, it, it's, you know, I was talking to somebody the, earlier this week that it's amazing um, when you watch your children and uh, you know that they're you know, growing up and passing through you know, the, some of the ages you can remember. And uh, can you just remember just silly little things that you did? But hopefully, by the time you have children, you've put some of that stuff behind you, you know. And so as your kids are watching you, they've never witnessed you act like this ever. You've never done any of this stuff ever in your life. And so it's not like they learned it. It's not like they're modeling it. It's they've never seen it. And then all of a sudden, here they come in the exact same kind of goofy begins to show up my wife one of my boys will do something and it's just it's just bizarre it's just different and my wife looks at me and goes seriously you had to pass that down seriously like dear i have no control it's just somehow it's just in there it's just the same little stuff where where we are reborn that giving nature is there. And, and some of us, it comes screaming out automatically. And other of us, it begins to grow a little slower. But all of us should be excelling in that area. Romans 8 tells us, that, that again, that God's a giver because he did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. And how will he not, along with him, graciously give us all things? If he gave Jesus, he's going to keep giving Jesus. Jesus wasn't just the one shot. He didn't just do the one big gift and go, I'm done here. That God lives that lifestyle. Matthew 20 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we see God the Father being a giver. We see Jesus being a giver. John 10, here we see Jesus again. No one takes, he's talking about his life, <clears throat> no one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. He's laying it down. Why could daddy lays it, asked him to lay it down? They were, they're givers. And so it's natural that we should be that way too. That this concept that this willingness to give our time, talents, and treasure, it keeps our heart focused on the things of true value. It keeps that, that, that purity, that, that willingness to, to do like we, we sang earlier, to I surrender all. There's this fight to, that, that comes from the pressures of the world and life for, to try to take some of that stuff back. And it's amazing that, that somehow that the Bible has more to say about this stuff. Shh, don't look in your purse, baby. But it's amazing that somehow this stuff represents and, and has, such a, has such an influence on our lives. And, and we ought to know that somehow it's important because we don't want preachers talking about it. When you talk about forgiveness, don't talk about my money. 
You can talk about, you know, going to China. Don't talk about my money. Don't talk about who's going to pay for it. Just, we ought to go. Don't talk about it. Why? It, it strikes a chord. Why? Because we know we can't hit this stuff without it getting personal. It just automatically, that's what the Bible talks about, it revealing our heart. It just automatically, it gets personal. See, Matthew 6 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and a sour economy and, and a jacked up stock market and thieves, politicians break in and steal and kill and destroy. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Why? Because where your treasure is, your heart is there also. Why? Why? Because this stuff represents our, it represents our commitments. We got we, we to gotta get committed. Anybody want a staple? Anybody want a staple in their arm? That's a pretty significant commitment. So, uh, but this stuff represents our commitments because, uh, you know, maybe we're like, well, um, you know, I got to take care of the, got to take care of the, the water bill. So that's, that's important. And I got to take, uh, here's another thing that's, uh, uh, important to me. Um, I got to take care of the light bill and, uh, oh, the brand new, uh, brand new game system just came out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to give me one of, one of those things. Got to go in that commitment. All of a sudden now it's, it's leaving and it's, and it's showing where this stuff is is going all of a sudden you know i've got the uh got to get that latest i something so that uh, i can have the notes because uh you know you got yeah. and uh so uh and then of course uh you know my kids my kids you know i, I they're needing new shoes and I, I need to take care of that and uh you know my car is kind of raggedy and you know i need one of those and uh you know, and uh, my son needs a new uh, acoustic electric guitar, and and uh, he just started playing on the worship team, so I just got to get him one of those, and and then all of these different things, and as it becomes begins to to our our commitments, it begins to reveal it, and begins to 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 show our commitment. What's really happening here? Do you know that the that the FBI when they want to profile somebody? Therefore, they don't go start talking to neighbors. Why? Because we can fake our neighbors out. We don't talk about coworkers and all that kind of stuff. Why? Because we can put on a good front. They subpoena bank records. We're going to follow the money. What is really, really important? Oh, man, you know, this. I need to, I, the future's unsure. You know, I got, I got to get out there and, uh, you know, and, and save a little more. It's, this is just... This is just so important. I gotta, I gotta <clears throat> make sure that uh, that uh, my, you know my kids, you know, they want to go to that that, that that big expensive school. Oh my goodness, what am I gonna do? And and uh, you know, oh, I've got another one about to drive. Oh my goodness, what am I doing? And you know, that's insurance. And you know, I, I love my kids. And uh, there's all of these these different things going on. But wait a second, wait a second. This stuff is. Where's this, where's this stuff going? Oh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I love God. You know, I, I want people to, to, to hear the gospel. I, I want to I commit some of that. You know, I'm going I'm to help the, um, the people with Tikkun Ministries over there in, in Israel. But why? Because the, the Jews deserve to be able to hear the gospel too. And, 
and uh, I want to be able to, to give some to reaching souls and, and to the, the, the kids over at House of Faith. And, and I want to be able to do all of these different things. And, uh, but wait a second, wait a second. Wow, that's a lot of give. That's a, oh, what happened? This stuff, we're just, oh, yeah, no, we better hurry up. Let's go on a vacation now, baby. This stuff is leaving. We just get in the car and let's get out of here. Because we're going to look up and there's not going to be any of this stuff left. And my toys are going to be, I'm not going to be able to do this. And, oh man, the kids are always asking for stuff. And all of a sudden, I begin to look up. And where everything has been committed begins to reveal our heart. All of it adds up. All of it begins to add up and reveal what we are. We're not just the giving to Takoon. We're not just the trip out of town. We're not just buying their wife a big old fancy birthday present because she'll punch you in the face. They're <laughs> not just... It's where our treasure is. That is our heart. It can't, it won't be anywhere else. Why? Because it, it, we are committing. Every time we, we let some of it go, we're saying that's important. I value that. that. And it reveals our values. It over and over. That's why God is not after this. He's after this, folks. That is what he wants. That's why when we go, God, what do you want me to do with this stuff? And we say, God, I'll let you direct it. Then when we let him direct all of this, guess what he has all of? The whole thing. That's all he wants. That's all he wants. That's all he wants. See, Matthew 6 tells us that no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one or he will love the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And uh, let's go ahead and look at 1 Timothy, and we're going to close with that. And uh, I'll give you the rest of the, the, the notes. But I, I really want to make sure this, is, this here is said. That uh, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing... We'll be content with that. Woo. Wow. Man, that shortened our contentment list. Where'd, where'd big, fat, nice house? Where'd that fit? Where did fully restored 67 Mustang fit? Man, why is, it, why is, why is that one? Oh, wait. It says people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, the love of it, is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. Instead of moving forward in their faith, they've moved backwards. They've wandered. They've gone distracted. They've just gone crazy. And God wasn't fitting on the picture somehow anymore. And they've pierced themselves with many griefs. Okay? This starts to paint a pretty grim picture of 
people and money. But that's not at all. Let's finish this chapter out. Same thought flow. We jump down a few verses. It says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put your hope in wealth. That's what we're talking about. Let's not put our hope in here. It reveals our heart, but that's not what we put our hope in God. We're not putting our hope in that stuff. It is a tool which is uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. We're not supposed to all take these vows of poverty and that that that's what a good believer is, is when we've got nothing. God wants us to live a blessed life. God gives us these things for us to enjoy. But we just got to make sure that, that we let God have those things in our lives and not let those things have us. And pierce us with many sorrows. Command them to do good deeds and be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, you'll lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. So that they may take hold of the life that is true life. Be willing to open and be like God. That's the life that's true life. To close down and to clamp down and to make it all about ourselves. You can't make, you can't get a big enough pile of money. To make that as big as who God is when we open ourselves up to Him. You are always making it small. I don't care how big it is. It's small in compared to saying, God, I give it all to you. And we need to understand this thing, that giving is an act of grace. And when we extend, and it is an act of grace where we extend the grace we have received. This isn't about us. This is about recognizing that God's blessings are coming to us and through us. Matthew 5 says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends his reign on the righteous and the unrighteous. And then uh, in 2 Corinthians, again, it's each man should give as he has purposed in his heart. And I want to jump down to the end. Then you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That is ultimately what our lives are about. When we grow, when we grow, the Bible has more to say on this subject than any other subject, folks. And the reason is it's because what we do with it reveals our hearts. It's just something we have to be willing, that using our time, our talents, our treasure to move forward God's plan for humanity. It's just one of those things that keeps us growing, and it is an absolutely crucial part of a move-forward kind of life. There's just no two ways about it. Being willing to give when our, and with our families, being willing to give to the person hurting down the street, being willing to volunteer. Being, it's, it's not just about money. It's about all our whole lives. Our abilities, all of that. We've got some polls and some questions. If you're on you version, I'd appreciate it if you could answer those things. But we need to embrace this. That God wants our lives to be bigger than a one-way dead-end street for his blessings. God wants us to be blessed. But he wants us to, to, to flow and continue to bless others. And we begin to look like our father. Because he's so loved that he gave. I'd appreciate it if everybody would bow your heads and close your eyes. And we want to create a quiet moment. I appreciate you being patient. We're going a little bit long. But we want to make sure that everybody that's here 